Welcome to Seek, Go, Create. This is your host, Tim Winders, coming to you from the passenger seat of our RV Theo. And let me just go and tell you, as of recording today, it is a nice, toasty, warm day. I was joking around with our guests before we hit record that uh, I had to turn off the AC and it's getting a little bit warm in here. So, but we're going to have a great conversation. Before I get to the conversation, I just want to continually encourage all of you to have conversation with us. Do that on all of our socials. Join us there. Join us on, uh, let's see, we're Instagram. We are on Facebook. We're on LinkedIn. We are also on Clubhouse. Don't do a lot there, but we're also on Clubhouse. And uh, we're also on YouTube. And so thanks for joining us on whatever platform you you consume us but and then of course the big one all the podcast platforms so uh so thankful that you're here glad that you're here and uh with that let's go ahead and dive in because we're gonna have a fun conversation today with uh you know with someone that i was just telling them you know i i love doing the podcast because i get to meet people that i may not have ever met were it not for this. Today we have Bobby Albert as our guest. He is the CEO and president of Values Driven Leadership LLC, a consulting firm focused on helping Christian leaders build inspiring workplace cultures driven by their core values. He's a lifelong entrepreneur and I look forward to hearing a story that's gonna go back to the 70s. I've read portions of his book and uh, so we're gonna go back to the 70s and talk about a, I think a pretty impactful story that impacted his leadership. He started 12 different businesses and acquired nine others. His approach to business has been to value people, seek wisdom, embrace humility, and never stop learning. Bobby, welcome to Seek, Go, Create. Well, thank you, and it's such a pleasure to be on your show. Yeah, and my glad. accent probably is giving my where I'm from away. So, uh. <laughs> well, so here's here's the deal. Here, I'm originally from Georgia, but as I started kind of going out and about, I made efforts to, I don't know, lessen my accent. I don't know why, but first of all, I don't think we're going to need a translator. But secondly, by the end of this, I may be talking kind of like you, Bobby. <laughs> So, so for the audience, just hang with us. It's going to be awesome. So, hey, Bobby, first question I like to ask is, you know, I've got the bio. You've got such a rich background. So many things we could have talked about. In fact, we even try to compress those so they don't get uh, too long when we first get started having a conversation. But if you and I just bumped into each other, this first question I like to ask, and, and I ask you, what do you do? What do you typically tell people when someone asks you that question? Well, that's an excellent uh, question, Tim. I, I, I come beside uh, Christian business leaders uh, to encourage them to integrate the Lordship of Jesus Christ into every area of their life. And uh, that would include your family, your church, but most of all, I uh, want to help Christian business leaders about seeing how to develop their culture in the workplace, but mm. also in the marketplace. Mm. That's good. There's a lot of good words there. Just like when I was reading your bio, there were some words, values and, and, and things like that. But the, the first thing I want to ask, and I'm really, what I like to do, Bobby, is I kind of like to put myself in the seat of a possible listener. 
and and you know why they would click onto a podcast when they hear a conversation about leadership and especially values uh, values driven leadership and you mentioned the first word was encourage and so I, I want us to assume something here that there may be someone listening in that may not may not be at a hundred percent let's just say that they may have low energy they may have felt beaten up especially over the last 12 to 18 months they may have been in a role that seemed like things were going well and now it doesn't and they just really need a little bit of that word encourage how do you typically go about doing that and i'm kind of asking in the question i'm asking the question in a way that almost for you to speak into the mic and say hey <laughs> i want to encourage you so go, just let's go ahead and start off with that encourage us well you know uh <laughs> Uh, I, if I can maybe share a story, uh, when, when I was 20 years old, life was good. Mm -hmm. I mean, really good. I just graduated from our local university. I became engaged to marry my wife. Life was indeed very good, but there is one evening I will never forget. I was playing foosball with my college buddies when a, a friend came up to me and said, Bobby, your dad's in the emergency room. He's had a heart attack. So we rushed to the hospital and upon seeing me, my mom quickly got up as our family doctor was walking uh, toward us. And he drew in a, a, a deep breath and said, I couldn't save you. Hmm. My mom and I were absolutely stunned in an instant i became the leader of our small five employee business soon i discovered we were heavy in debt and all that debt was short term in other words due less than than a year and our get hey this is the tough part our debt was about the same as our total gross revenue. Not good. Financially, we were way upside down. I, I, I was in crisis mode every day, much like what, just like you were sharing, sharing a minute ago, is that, that we're all experiencing today with all of these uh, challenging health and economic times. And even along with, you know, uh, the hurt and unrest that's going on in our country. And however, we survived, then thrived, and ultimately grew to over 150 employees. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was able to eventually sell our company to a publicly traded company. And I, I tell you what, through those tough times that if you're experiencing tough times right now in your business, uh, I've learned that everyone can build a successful life and business or even a church uh, by uh, applying certain principles and practices uh, in their life and business. Yeah, that's I appreciate you sharing that, Bobby, because I I read portions of your book. I think the true north 
book. And, and one of the things that I wanted to discuss was that moment uh, back in the early 70s that you were thrust into a leadership role. You know, I, I love you actually wrote about it and then you shared it. So there's significance for that moment for you, if you recall exactly what you were doing, that you were playing foosball. Because typically, you know, you, you were playing games, you were at the frat house, you were just hanging out. No, you were playing foosball. And one thing that's interesting, it probably every time you step to a foosball table or you see one, or I don't even know if you can play it anymore. You know, sometimes those traumatic things happen. It's like, I can't ever play that again. But um, I, I, I think it goes to how I talk about this quite often. And I think you may know on this podcast, we talk about redefining success and, and what success really means. And we really try to integrate that into leadership and business and ministry. And uh, Bobby, I'd like to go ahead and dive into that story because even though it's been a long time, I do think that when you look at the trajectory of your life, that was a significant day. I'm not saying it was a great day. You lost your father, but it was a significant day because you went from, we could probably say young man, boy, whatever, to a man <laughs> very quickly. But what are some other, I don't know, I don't know if emotions are the right word, but, but can you think back? The reason why I want to, I want to go into a little bit deeper on this, Bobby, is because I think it's part of the leadership story. Most people, that move into, we'll call it significant leadership roles, it's not just this nice, easy peasy, you know, track. Um, so, I mean, can you recall any of the other things going through your mind then? And I'm, I'm going to dig a little bit on this because I think it's significant. Uh, let's walk through a few things. What were you, I mean, life was great. You're about to get married. You were having fun. You probably thought you'd work in the company for a while and maybe down the road do something with it. And now you're the boss. Did you, first, do you have any siblings? And I'm curious, how old was your father at the time? Well, he was 57 years old. That's my age. That's exactly my age. Yeah. And uh, very young. (laughs) Yeah. uh, There was a couple of things that happened during that time. Uh, I um, prior to that date, I uh, my uh, I I worked in the business Hmm. and uh, my my dad actually started the business in 1938. And uh, he grew it from a uh, an upholstery, a furniture upholstery and refinishing business to a moving and storage, a glamorous business, you know. Yeah. And uh, the uh, I remember uh, when I was uh, in junior high school, some places maybe called middle school. Uh, my dad let me go out. Uh, on my first moving job. Now, let me just say this, prior to that, I was one of those fortunate people to be able to hang out with my dad a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, I knew who the bankers were, who the people that handle our insurance, the people that repaired the trucks. Uh, back then we had full service gasoline stations. If you can, I, I can't even hardly think that way anymore, but I knew the people that put the gasoline in the trucks. But when I was 12 years old, my dad let me go out on my first moving job. And he gave me some wise advice right before I went out. He said, now, Bobby, when you go out there, I don't want you to act like the boss's son. 
Now, I don't know, I can't explain why, but somehow at 12 years old, I knew exactly what he meant. And so when I went out there, I, uh, I took on the servant role, hmm. not the boss's son. And I, I mean, uh, I, I would uh, do the kind of work on the job that no one really liked to do. Uh, I would run between the truck and the house and the house and the truck. Uh, they used to kid me because I would take uh, one break to there too. And I, I didn't smoke, you know, they were smoking back then. Uh, and I would chew gum. And so they, they would always say, we're going to have a chewing gum break, you know? So, uh, uh, but when my father died, uh, a couple of things that was really challenging. One is when we discovered about our debt and our revenue, uh, my dad somehow, I don't know, quite explain why, but he had three bankers and uh, two of them wanted to shut us down and one of them wanted to give me a chance. And somehow that one banker convinced the other two to give me a chance. Hmm. And uh, I even had to sell my uh, personal car uh, to pay down some of the debt. Uh, and uh, so fortunately, uh, one of the employees there drove by where I lived every day. And I asked that gentleman, uh, would he mind picking me up every morning and taking me home every night? And you know what? He did that uh, for two years, which is hard to believe. Uh, but he was a close friend of my dad. One thing my, about my dad that I learned from him, he really took care of his people. I mean, really took care of, and uh, they loved him to death. They would jump over the moon for him. And, uh, uh, but one of the toughest thing, you gotta realize I'm 20 years old. I needed to ask these five employees to take a pay cut. Now you can just imagine today, if you went to your employee and said, uh, we need to take a pay cut, it's not gonna be a happy day. Hmm. And uh, it, it, I, I tell you what, at 20 years old, I never, I never had to do anything that challenging before. Uh, and I mean, I met with each one, one-on-one. -on -one. I mean, I was shaking, my lips were shaking. I was a nervous wreck. But let me, I, I tell you what, you know what surprised me? I got a hundred percent acceptance to the pay cut. Hmm. I mean, it just, that almost seems impossible. So, so that's unique. Now, do you think, I love that you said you, you moved into a servant role and I love the, I don't even know, metaphor or the example of you're thrust in the leadership role but you sold your personal car and you're asking for a ride from someone who is an employee of yours. So, so I, I, I think one of the things I'd love to know, obviously you didn't come into this role with a cockiness that a lot of 20 year olds would. And, and, and I don't know if that was because it was the makeup of Bobby 
or if it was the situation or a combination of the two. Do you have any insight on that? I mean, was it, I mean, I'm sure there was a shock that you were all of a sudden in this role, but, you know, it, let's just say it hadn't been the unfortunate circumstance of your dad passing. Do you think you would have still had that humility that you did, or did a combination of the whole events really bring out that, uh, that servant and humility role? Well, you know, these five employees, I work side by side, you know, since I was some of them since I was 12 years old, not all of them. And so they knew my work ethic. Mm -hmm. I, um, uh, at the university, they knew my reputation because I was the president of student body. And um, I, I, so I, I had a lot of credibility, uh, but I, I wouldn't necessarily plan on that. I was just focused on what's the right thing need we need to do here. Right. And and so, um, but I think because of how it's not what I had to say about taking the pay cut. It was the how, hmm. even though I was a nervous wreck, I handled the how well enough that they accepted, which I mean, I was where I was nervous. I'm thinking I'm going to mess up their, their lifestyle, you know? Hmm. And, uh, but I think they had so much respect mainly for my dad uh that they were willing to work with me and i tell you what uh these five employees and a lot of other people outside of our business came beside me and really helped me encouraged me and helped me and with them one year one year uh we had increased our revenue by 252 percent and that and we had the highest profit in the history of that business. Well, after that happened, all of a sudden, the bank started working with me. Hmm. And see, prior to that, when they wanted to shut us down, they weren't going to loan me any more money, which you can hmm. probably understand. Yeah. And, and so I had to just operate out of cash flow. And that I mean, that's the reason why I, it, that it was just a very struggling time but if tim if i may come back to this servant leader's role i didn't understand that back then hmm. uh, but uh over the years this goes back in into the 80s i took uh to help maybe share a little a thought for your audience that they could maybe use in their own business uh, is that we had the traditional organization chart you know, like me at the top and, you know, leadership team and all the way down. So people understood roles and responsibilities. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I, the thought I had in my mind was, you know, Jesus said I, to his disciples, I come to serve and not be served. So with that thought in the background is that I took the organization chart and turned it upside down. And, and, and displayed it to our employees. I, they, we had the traditional one, but I turned it upside down and I was at the bottom and I had the responsibility to serve in a, I, I took on the responsibility to serve, equip and to develop the leadership 
team, they knew it, it was their responsibility to equip and serve, you know, supervisors and just all the way up to the frontline employees. But one thing that was very clear to our employees is the customer was at the top of the organization chart. But let me share this with you. Also, because uh, uh, Colossians 3, uh, chapter 3, verses 23 and 24 was the foundation of the culture of our company. And at the very, very top of the organization chart was Jesus Christ. And I, I love you bringing that up because it, it kind of leads into the next question I have. There's a lot of conversation, and we've discussed it quite often with various guests on the podcast. And sometimes we go down a spiritual path, sometimes it's practical business and all that, but I love, we love marrying the two together here. Some people will use the term a Christian business or a Christian company. And then, Bobby, some people argue that a company can't be a Christian company. Individuals can be followers of Christ, but the organizations can't be. I mean, it could have a lot of people in there that follow. But I, I guess I guess I want to ask you, since you led right into it, did you define your business as a Christian business? Was it a, a business that was based on Christian principles and values? Was it a business that was made up of people that were followers of Christ that just happened to use a lot of values? How, how would you distinguish or discern or discuss when someone says, well, this is a Christian company, or no, you can't have a Christian company? Talk a little bit about that, because I'd love to get people's input about that. Yeah. Hey, that's a, that is a great question. We, 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 let me just share this with you is that I was finding uh, Christian business people were living their life in compartments. Mm. In other words, uh, the, and the mindset was, is that, well, what, I, cause I, I went out and visited with uh, 50 Christian, you know, business leaders in, in, in my community that I, um, I knew they were active in their church. And uh, I was trying to share with them all the things that how our, our culture was blossoming and, and uh, uh, but this, it, was, it was shocking to me. I, I was really taken back, but the message was always the same. Basically, they would say, Bobby, what I do in business is business and what I do at church is church. Well, it broke my heart because see, in my mind, is there, in, when I read scripture, there is no division between the sacred and the secular. Hmm. And I find that a lot of Christian business leaders uh, have lacked the connection between Sunday and Monday and for the rest of the week. Hmm. And God is glorified when we use uh, the talents, the skills, uh, when we use that he has given us, when we use those well, even at our place of business and our leadership role is that uh, he is glorified when that happened. Now, let me just share this, is that we didn't go out and promote that, hey, we're a Christian business or any, you know, we didn't do that. Uh, but 
internally, it started out in 1987, in the spring of 1987, I declared uh, that I wanted to see my work as a ministry and not a job that I went to every day. And uh, at first, I'll be honest with you, it's like, okay, Lord, I've declared it, what does it mean? <laughs> and uh, one, one Sunday uh, I, at that time, and I did for over 30 years, I taught high school boys, most of the time 12th grade boys at, in, in our Sunday school. And uh, I was looking at this uh, Bible study I, I was uh, presenting, and I was thinking, man, adults need to know this. So I started, it was purely volunteer, I started a weekly Bible study. And it surprised me how many employees showed up. Now, I don't, even when the time I sold the company, I didn't know who was a Christian or not, but I, I, people love working and how we really cared about our employees. Now, if, if Tim, if, if, you know, if I can go back to that Colossians 3, 23, 24, if I might share something sure. there. Yeah, let's go ahead. In fact, if you got it, if you you may have it memorized, go ahead and share what it is, so that the listener knows. Because there's okay. about there's two or three other questions that are rolling around, but I want you to finish up that, and then we're going to bounce around a little bit on that. All right. Well, the the verse it starts out. It says, "Whatever you do." Now, in my mind, it's that's exactly what it says. Whatever you do. So, in other words, if you're at work, or if you're at the convenience store or if you uh, are walking, uh, you know, in Walmart or Target, uh, uh, or even if you're out on a soccer field or, you know, a ba you know watch, you're watching your kid baseball, your kids play baseball or something, it's whatever you do, it says, it goes on to say, work at it with all of your heart. Mm. Now to me, and by the way, our employees heard me review this these two verses at least four times a year when we'd have company-wide meetings. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but to me, working at it with all your heart is, uh, excellence for me is an all-time thing, not a sometime thing. And uh, then it goes on, it says, as working for the Lord, not men. In other words, our employees clearly heard me say that they came to work for the Lord Jesus Christ every day, not for Bobby Albert. Mm. And, and so uh, then it goes on to say, since you know that you will receive it an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. In other words, our employees clearly understood when they came to work every day, they came to work for a much, much higher purpose than uh, just to get a paycheck. Yeah. All right. That's good. I appreciate you sharing that because what I heard was that when you're interviewing a new employee, you don't ask them about their spiritual and all that. You can't do that kind of stuff. And so you're not weeding people out based on their belief system, correct? Well, th hey, that's a good question. Uh, for the longest time, we didn't do that. And we never did say, hey, are you a Christian or not? We never did sure. go that far. But what we would, our, our human resource director, uh, he would, when he'd, you know, a prospective employee, 
uh -huh. uh, that we were pretty serious about, he would share with them. He said, now look, uh, here's our core values. This is what we stand for. And you need to know that our CEO uh, is, uh, a, is a very strong Christian man. Yeah. And, and would ask that employee is that, are, are you going to feel comfortable working for somebody like right. that? So it wasn't a condition, but they, they need to understand the culture, which listen, I think people need to understand the culture and the values of an organization. Even if they don't say they have any, <laughs> they need to understand it before they go work there. So there, I think there's value there, but I, I've had some people that have, you can kind of tell I've had this conversation with a few folks that have said, well, how do you guarantee that you've got, have nothing but Christians working there? I said, how do you guarantee that you've got nothing but Christians in a church? <laughs> Truthfully, <Yeah. laughs> you know what I mean? You can't, or that, you, you know, your kids are, none of that. I, I think you just set a standard of excellence, which is, which I love, love what you talked about. Now, the second direction I want to go, I want to go back to what you said about compartmentalizing because this is something I've meditated and spent a lot of time on because of myself and because of what I see with, with clients and people that I work with. And Bobby, I think one of the things that I've noticed is it's kind of the culture of America first world that we came from the Greek Roman culture historically, instead of that Jewish, your life is all one, you know, everything just merges together. And, and to me, I'm going to kind of throw you a big softball lobby, a big question here. <laughs> to me, that is one of the biggest challenges in leadership in general, politics and business and everything. And that is because people, I'm going to throw out another big word, hypocrite. I think you're a hypocrite if you're something in one place and you're something else somewhere else. So, so I'm going to, let's go big, talk big leadership all the way up to, you know, we don't have to name names, but people running countries and all that. I, to me, we have a lot of hypocrites because, and, and I'm using that word strongly for a purpose. Hypocrite to me is when someone in one setting says something, does something, acts a certain way, but then somewhere else they they don't do that. So how about that softball? See if you could swing for the fences with that. Well, uh, it's interesting you bring that up because the my third book that I publish is called The Freedom Paradox. Mm -hmm. And what I, I tell you what, for years, uh, it, you know, it's about our country. And uh, for years, uh, I kept saying, well, when I, you know, when I get around to it, you know, you could have given me, I don't know if you've ever seen them, those little wooden round to you know, you could have given me one. I've got one in my drawer, you know, just to remind me. And uh, I, but let me just share this with you. One, one, one day, uh, it was May 20th of 2015. I was having my daily quiet time that morning and I came to this verse, and it's uh, it's it's First Peter chapter two verse sixteen. And what it said is that live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover up for evil, mm. but living as servants of God. 
Now, I, I, you know how the Lord can speak to you? That was one time, I mean, it shook me to the core. And, and then also there's another thing to it. And I, I know you've read through the Bible and scriptures probably multiple times like I have and like a lot of people listening. There are times when a certain scripture will jump off the page in a different way. It'll pierce your heart, your soul in a different way than it ever has. And it sounds like that one did it at that time. Yeah, and I've had God's word speak to me before. Uh, but this was significant. And it was like, it was like the Lord was saying, Bobby, it's time for you to write this book. Mm. So, so uh, the book, what I did, which is interesting uh, to me, is that uh, these leadership principles and practices that I uh, have applied in our business, I was applying it to our country. Mm about how we, be, how the, the book uh, really talking about encouragement, it's really, the, it's helping us understand how we can reunite our country. Because there's just kind of like you're talking about, uh, I, I thought about this, uh, I, I, I wish I could, uh, I thought about this someday, I may have a sick, you mentioned the word sick and tired. Well, I am sick and tired of the lying, the hypocrites, uh, the false, uh, uh, you know, doctrine, the, the, the half truths. Uh, it, it drives me nuts. Yeah. And, and so th and so that I'm clear, I'm not speaking about especially in the United States, we've got people other places, but I I'm, not, yeah. I'm not speaking about one political party or the other. I lump them all together together. When yes. I say that, and I think you do too, right? Yes, I, I do because not ever, you know, there's people in, you know, in, in the United States on both parties have got some issues. Yep. But, you know, people are people, you know, uh, I, I, that kind of makes me think I, our chief operating officer, uh, sometimes there'd be something that really got messed up in our company, you know, and it was caused by an employee. And he would come in with his head down and uh, he's real strong Christian. You know, I, I used to call him Barnabas cause he was a big encourager all the time. Uh, anyway. And he would just, he would say people, 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 you know, but see, that was our values driven. Uh, that was our values uh, statement, our mm. company value statement, people, people, people. Mm. And so, uh, Anyway, uh, is you're exactly right. But what I found in my, I started researching and I was reading stories about the founding of our country. And of course, you know, when the Mayflower came over and all, you know, all those kind of way even further back. Um, and uh, there was a couple of things that really stood out. And let's, if we look at the core values, what I found uh, in the core values was freedom and responsibility. Mm. And uh, the, you know, I, I think we all understand the value of freedom. I mean, we understand that here in America, um, but where we are slipping right now is the responsibility side. Mm. And that's the paradox. 
is that what I was learning, and I was reading history that I hadn't read since I was in high school, you know, and, uh, but what I was learning was that uh, the founding core values was freedom and responsibility. Well, uh, is the paradox is, is that as we behave more uh, irresponsible, the more freedoms we lose. Conversely, the more we behave responsibly, the more freedoms we gain. Wow. So, so that's so good because it relates to something we're going to unfortunately date this recording a little bit. We were, I'm currently in South Dakota and right before we hit record, you and I had a brief conversation about the governor of South Dakota, about how she had handled some of the issues related to the pandemic and things like that. But when you mentioned freedom and responsibility to me, it just, those two words rung so loud in my head with that is how she seemed, I don't know all the details, but she seemed to approach a difficult situation using that as a foundation. That, that we want to give people freedom and we're going to make them responsible. You know, there is a, there is a virus going around. Be responsible. Don't do anything crazy, but we give you the freedom as individuals to do that. And we saw, you know, an example in the country where some leaders said, no, government needs to make all the decisions. And some leaders said, no, we believe people should. And then some, some did a lot of weird stuff we won't even get into, but, but uh, I mean, that was kind of the example we were talking about earlier. Wouldn't, wouldn't you agree? Yes. And uh, the, if I may share this in my research in the founding of the country mm-hmm. of America uh, is um, uh, I, I was, I, I dug a deeper in, you know, the freedom part I, I could get, but the responsibility I wanted to dig into a little bit more. This was a fascinating thing is that uh, during that time uh, is they were, there was one book that was common in just about every family. That same book was used to educate the students with, and that one book was the Bible. Hmm. And that, you might ask, well, the question is, well, how did people know how to be responsible? Well, the Bible was taught so deeply within the family and used even in the education system that people generally knew they had bad actors like we have today, you know, but people generally knew how to be responsible. Hmm. Now, uh, you know, if I can maybe share another thing about the, what I discovered was the purpose of the United States of America, why we exist is you know, when the Mayflower came, they came uh, so they could worship freely. That was the reason why they came here. Well, just a couple years later after that, there was another group that came to America. It's, they, they discovered uh, what we know today as Boston. And they were actually 17 ships and a thousand people. Mm. And uh, you know what? They came so they could worship freely. 
And so, in other words, the founding of our of the United States of America was based on why we exist is religious freedom. And I tell you what, that started, those two different groups started this wave of bunches of people coming to the United States of America for that purpose. So that is why we exist, that's our purpose. So the core values is freedom and responsibility and our purpose, why we exist. Uh, and th these are business essentials in my mind, uh, it is, uh, is, uh, was religious freedom. And guess what? It's in the first amendment. Yeah. And, and, and you know, I, I think here's something that we could really, and I don't want us to go down this path. You and I, would be considered mature males. <laughs> we, we don't use the word old here, okay, just so you know. Um, and, and we would have a tendency, Bobby, to go down this the way things used to be or things have gotten so bad. And I try so hard not to do that, but yet <laughs> I do kind of get pulled into it. And so what I'd love for us to do a little bit, maybe this is going to work a little bit of a muscle for both of us, where do you see great examples? And we could call it by name or we could just talk in general. Where do you see great examples of freedom and responsibility or leaders with freedom and responsibility uh, using that in our current culture, society? And I, you know, I even look, I look a lot beyond the United States because I think the world has shrunk so much. I think we are still a beacon in many ways but we lived over in Australia, New Zealand for a few months, and it's so interesting how we pipe out our TV shows and all to those countries, but then we don't really reciprocate and try to learn much about them. I think we could do better in that. That's another topic and all that. But let's talk about freedom, responsibility, and some. the reason why I'm trying to do this is because I don't want to go down a path of, oh, how bad it is. So let's yeah, talk about no. some good examples that we found and can see so that we can learn from it. And then as we move forward, I'm going to start getting some good tips and pointers for leaders and business owners as we move towards wrapping up here. But let's talk big picture first. What are you seeing that you really like and you love what's going on in either the country or the world? Well, uh, in, the, in that book, is uh, I speak about uh, four cultural changes that mm -hmm. I've been observing uh, for many years. And, but it, just like yours, if I understand what you're saying, there, hope is not loss, uh, but it, it, it comes, uh, the four cultural changes, and I'll, I won't dwell on them deeply, but uh, one of them is what I call principle versus expediency. Another term for expediency is making emotional decisions, not the right decision. And uh, uh, another one is having an, an abundance mindset instead of a scarcity mindset. Uh, I, I don't know how to explain it, but ever since I was a little kid, riding my little bicycle in, in a neighborhood, I've always had an abundance mindset. And um, I, I can't even think about, you know, having a scarcity mindset. 
another would be is finding root cause to problems, not solving symptoms hmm. or things that make you feel good for the short term. And, and so, uh, if we could get from the, from leaders, I'm, we're talking about business principles here. Uh, but if they are applied to the, how we run our country, if, if we stayed more focused on solving root cause of problems, uh, uh, we would be, able, we, there is hope. Uh, another one is it, it's hard to understand the term, but, uh, the other is what I call process versus content. Hmm. And, uh, it, it's in other words, process is how we say and do things. Content is what you say and do. And we, in our country right now, we're very focused on what we want to say and do when we want to, how we want to, uh, without responsibility, see? Uh, but, uh, but when you, on the process side, you're focused on the how, and that's building relationships. It's a, it's, I use a term in the book called, you know, do you want to be a picker upper or a putter downer? <laughs> and, uh, we, if we started picking people up, we, we would, th there is hope, you know, there's a, uh, you know, social media really opened the door to what I used to see on when our boys were younger and playing sports, you know, what they call back then was trash talk. Hmm. And to me, social media has become the new trash talk. And it's, a, it's all, it's a pretty heavy on putting people down instead of picking them up. Yeah. And, uh, but see, it comes back to if we were following our core values, we would take responsibility of picking people up instead of trying to putting them down. Yeah. And, and you know, what's so great about that? I've actually observed this in myself in the last 12 months. And I'm a guy who's always been, you know, leadership training and uh, positive mental mindset, positive mindset, all of those things. But I notice that what I consume and where I go to consume it has an impact on my mindset because I've actually noticed that I can sort of train those algorithms on some of those social media platforms that if I keep going down a certain path, they're going to feed me more of that, Bobby. But if I, if I say, no, I don't want to go down that path, I would rather go down the path of positive, of, uh, you know, good stories cat videos that make me laugh or whatever you know what I mean and uh and you know what I've actually noticed that it it is trainable you know we'd like to blame them for it but what they're really doing is they're feeding off of what we allow them to feed off of so so having said that another big picture question here do you see I've had this discussion with people we've almost had some arguments about it so I don't know if you'll argue I don't know if we'll argue about it but do you believe that there is hope of unity within a country like the United States. We could talk about almost any other country the same way, because as we're as we're recording this, there's things going on in the Middle East, there's things going on in Europe, there's things going on all over. But let's just look at the United States. Do you see a time 
that we would all move together similar to what we did maybe after 9-11 in 2001 where at least for about four weeks <laughs> yeah people were sort of on the same page um the reason why i bring that up is that i would like to think i see it because i'm an optimistic guy but i must admit it's kind of really hard for me to practically envision it so what are your thoughts well uh Man, that's a tough question, but the simple answer is I do believe we can do it. Is it spiritual? Is that a, is it a is it an answer because of your spiritual foundation? I, I think so because the Lord has uh, blessed me to see things from a spiritual uh, uh, with spiritual eyes, mm -hmm. and on one side of me, I'm sick and tired. Mm -hmm. You know. I, I'm like, Lord, what, what, surely you're not, you know, this is not, this is not, you know, this, uh, but let me just share this. You got to think about this because Jesus told us that the mission statement of Satan, it, and he said, the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. Mm -hmm. And uh, we, we're, our country at the moment seems to be turning to uh, idols and foreign gods. Um, but it's I, there is opportunity for people to um, uh, that by uh, by sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with them uh, in America. To me, the, it's becoming ripe, more ripe all the time for changed hearts. Yeah. And if we can change hearts, man, uh, whew, no telling what United States of America could be again. Yeah, because there's that foundation there that you mentioned earlier. I, I actually have seen some things kind of, I think, in the spiritual realm also that Babylon or that world system is crumbling but I was reminded that it always has been. It always has been if you go back to the creation and, and that as it crumbles, there's only one place for people to go and that's the kingdom of God. So our role is to shine and show the kingdom of God. And that's when you say share the gospel, that's the way I translate that. So I love all that. Go ahead, yeah, what do you have? Well, I was gonna say if I can uh, come full circle back to about the culture we developed in our company yeah um is uh see i it was my objective is to help every employee to become all that god wanted them to be yeah. now i realize there's some people there that they weren't christians you know and i know of a couple of people that uh, were a different faith and and of course, I would open up, you know, company-wide meetings with a prayer, and I would go to them in advance, and I would say, uh, "Hey, uh, you know, I'm going to be opening up with a word of prayer. If you want to stay, st st you know, just stop, you know, go off, step off, you know, somewhere, uh, you're not going to, you're not. There's no hard feelings on my part, you know. Yeah. Uh, or if they don't want to, you know, pray with us, I, I, I'm okay with that, you know." But what we did, uh, our culture of this work is worship culture was so uh, big 
we had to hire an extra person in our human resource department just to manage all the logistics of it. Mm. Wow. See what we did, we broke, see, originally it was focused on the workplace, the employees, mm. but we eventually figured out how to minister to customers and suppliers. Mm. And because our company was serving, uh, we were relocating uh, employee, 99% of our business was outside of the city that I was in. In other words, we were relocating people from like California to Illinois, from Florida to Virginia, from the state of Washington to the state of Connecticut. We were dealing with tens of thousands of customers. And, um, uh, but we figured out how to minister and we had so much business, we couldn't service it. So we, we call them suppliers, but they really were contractors. There were mm -hmm. other moving companies and we also did international work, but, uh, we divided things up between the mind, body, spirit, and, uh, we use the term emotions. Now it wasn't talking about emotional, but yeah. we were talking about how to develop appropriate relationships. And, uh, there's very practical things that any of your listeners uh, could take away today. Uh, it, it may take me a few minutes to cover a couple of things. That, yeah, I I you're, you're leading great into what I wanted to do here in our last few minutes is I was going to ask if we could go to just some practical things, because one of the things I've noticed, especially in doing interviews like this, speaking to people that have already established something and what you did, you, you know, you've had exits, you've acquired companies, but I would love it if you could shift just a little bit to maybe the listener that wants to know how to get started developing that culture, developing some values within their system. And I know there's a lot of steps to it, but I'd love for whoever's listening in to at least get a few starting points to get the ball rolling. And before we wrap up, we'll give some more resources. I know you've got some on your website and things like that that can help. But can you can we break it down just for the person going, wow, it seems huge to get to that point. How can I just get started? Can you help us with that? Yes, I'll try to be as quickly as possible. <laughs> uh, if, I, if I take like the mind, now some of these things I'm gonna mention, you're gonna say, well, that doesn't sound like ministering to people, but we saw it from a spiritual eyes that we were ministering to our employees. Yeah. Uh, if I could start there first, it, it, it's like, you know, our business was, we had peak and non-peak season. And during the winter months was the non-peak season. And we spent a great deal of time uh, training uh, and developing our people. We provided uh, scholarships to the local college, local junior college. Uh, we, uh, we, on the body, we had a strong wellness program. See, uh, mm -hmm. uh, we would invite the clinic or one of the clinics or the hospital to come in and do just simple things like blood pressure check, cholesterol check, coaching people on, you know, the quit smoking, those kind of things. Uh, we also had a weight loss. Uh, it was a fun thing. Uh, we call it move it and lose it. And they'd be every, we do it once or twice a year. We, uh, uh, we, every Friday was a weigh in and there were prizes that, you know, for those things, we even paid for gym memberships, uh, on, on, on 
on the uh, spiritual side, you know, I already mentioned about Bible study, but also subscribe uh, to what's called Marketplace Chaplains. And by the time I sold the company, we had four chaplains. They did worksite visit uh, every every week. They were on call 24 seven. It was all kept confidential. Uh, it was for the total family, not just the employee. They did hospital visits, funerals, weddings at no charge to the employees. Uh, we had prayer teams that people could submit prayer requests. We pay all the expenses of, of uh, people the women that would attend a women of faith conference because they would probably have to travel to go to one. Uh, we would buy Christian concert tickets and people could, uh, you know, just, uh, we would provide the ones that, you know, we're interested in getting those tickets, uh, free, you know, uh, we, any Christian financial or marriage enrichment workshops, uh, locally, uh, we would pay for those expenses. On the emotional side, uh, we had, uh, during our peak season, we had what was called uh, Happy Fridays. Uh, I love these during the peak season. It was helping our employees deal with the stress mm -hmm. uh, because during the peak season, it's a very stressful time. I mean, we, our leadership team, we would make bets on who would cry first. It, it was just, <laughs> it was just a tough time. <laughs> But we would, I would go on, on these happy Fridays, I would go and buy snow cones for everybody. Or uh, we would, you would find me uh, making uh, banana splits or Sundays for employees, you know, that would come at a Friday afternoon. Uh, it, typically in July, uh, I'd bring in a couple massage therapists uh, that people could schedule to uh, mm. have that done. Uh, on usually in August, I would uh, bring in two wrecked cars uh, and get people sledgehammers and let them just beat the heck out of those cars. I, hey, I'm embarrassed to tell you, but sometimes they'd be a customer's name on the side of the car because, so, you know, sometimes. Now that's not good, Christian. That's not good showing no, love, I know, is it? I know. <laughs> but these customers were famous because, man, they were not they were not uh, good people. And, uh, but you know, we, we were in a business, we don't show up on time, we break things, we lose things. I mean, we're just in that business and things happen, but right. sometimes customers just, whew, man. But, uh, it, and usually in September at the end of our peak season, uh, I take everybody for bowling and burgers and we'd have yeah. silly, prizes like who had the biggest shoe the loudest thump of their ball and the best gutter ball and those kind of things like that so uh but with customers uh and suppliers we per, because we dealt uh, electronically and of course uh verbally about you know through a phone system uh with our customers and suppliers we had uh, means for them to submit prayer requests we had a prayer team over those requests uh we even uh if an employee I'm, I'm sorry when a customer was relocating long distance is a very stressful time they put it up there near you know experiencing death mm -hmm. uh is uh, uh but if if our coordinators picked up that the customer was uh just stressed uh because they're having to you know maybe 
the spouse has already gone ahead to start their work and you know the other spouse is left to you know uh, just to manage everything to get everything moved and things we partnered with marketplace chaplains and we paid the expense for a chaplain in that city to go visit the customer at their mm -hmm. home if they if it was okay with them uh some th other things uh we we were involved with several trade associations and at the at the conventions uh i i worked with the staff at, of the associations to put on a, a movers for christ prayer breakfast and of course you know one thing that uh you know uh, you, you kind of you was about ready to ask me but i think uh I, the first question I typically get asked, Bobby, is this even legal? And the answer is yes. We, uh, you know, we have uh, the First Amendment of the U.S. Constitution, and there's uh, a couple of federal laws that give us permission to do a lot more than most business leaders even realize. Basically, this is oversimplifying it but you can just about do whatever you want to do. You can spend your money on whatever you want to do, but there are a few exceptions. One is you cannot require your employees to attend like a Bible study. Mm -hmm. it, it's not, you can't require as a condition of your employment. Right. Uh, another, and, and I really would be honest with you. I wouldn't want, if they don't want to be there, I don't want them there anyway. You know, that, that's not a fun Bible study. I've been to some that way, by the way, <laughs> and, oh, and those aren't right? fun. Yeah. Well, I mean, come on. Sometimes, you know, growing up as a kid in church and all that, we maybe had a Bible study that we didn't want to be there or there were other people in the site. Those aren't usually good Bible studies anyway. You want people to be there. Yeah. Well, and, and the other thing is, if somebody in their workstation wanted to put up a picture of Jesus and some crosses, uh, I, as an employer, uh, I'm required to accommodate as long as it doesn't disrupt, you know, yeah. the business. Yeah. And so basic, those are basically the two things that you can't do. But outside of that, it's kind of common sense you can do legally yeah. and there's people um, that I could help getting someone in contact with uh, attorneys that uh, that when somebody has these you know has problems mm -hmm. uh, they'll represent them yeah and most time they'll do it free yeah that's all of that's all that's great and I love the whole, the nice list you gave us of all of the possibilities that uh, that people can use and implement. I, I loved, to me, there's a word that kept coming to my mind as you were describing that, and it was the word, and it's pronounced, I've heard it different ways, ecclesia or ecclesia, which yeah. is the word yeah. yeah, that we use for church out of the New Testament, but we've translated it to mean a building that people go to on Sunday. But to me, what you described was the whole person ministering to everyone that's within your realm that you have responsibility i'll go back to the word you used earlier responsibility over and to me that is such a great definition of leadership i think this is a great place for us to begin wrapping up i've got one more kind of big question for you maybe i don't know may you may have been asked this before but if you were to back up 
and and whisper or give some advice or tell 20-year-old Bobby something, knowing what you know now. And uh, because sometimes we get to these places in our lives and, oh, we've learned all this and all this kind of stuff. But knowing what you know now, if you could back up and say, hey, Bobby, 20-year-old Bobby, I want you to make sure of this or don't do this or whatever, what would you tell yourself? Well, that is a big question. And uh, <laughs> have you ever thought of it before? You probably have, haven't you? Well, you know, uh, I've thought about a lot of things. Uh, uh, of course, my head goes too much in the complexity, you know, of answering the question. It, it's it's kind of one of these things. There's not a simple answer. Uh, huh. And uh, but if I could suggest this is if you're not and i wasn't at the time i mean i, I went to church but it uh it was kind of like i knew a lot about god but i didn't know god at 20 years old i was one of those people and uh, i was earning my way to heaven i was a good person and i was earning my way to heaven as you know that's not the answer you know but is uh get into god's word I have found that over time, uh, God's wisdom is a lot better than human wisdom. And I see, you know, this is looking from a spiritual eyes. Yeah. Is I see people turning to human reason today when God is right there that wants to help them mm -hmm. and reach reach up and, and pull them out of the crisis they're in. Yeah, I, I think that's, I, I think that's a perfect answer. Not that I was trying to lead you that way because the older I get, the more I learn, the more whatever experiences, everything becomes narrowed down to relationship with the father relationship with Christ, relationship with my creator. And everything else just seems to be, I'm not saying it's superfluous, I'm not saying it, it doesn't mean anything, but it's secondary to that. And I truly believe, and, I'm, and I, this is kind of what I heard you say, if you're struggling in a leadership role, business role, or anything like that, anything like that, that relationship and knowing God, not knowing of God, I love how you said that, that to me is like the secret sauce. Somebody say, what's the secret? Bobby just gave you the secret. So, man, Bobby, we could keep talking, especially, you know, telling stories and you from Texas, me originally from Georgia, but I'm watching our time here and, uh, and I know we've got stuff to do. Where can people, because I, I actually read portions of your book, True North, and made a lot of notes on it, but we didn't get to any of that. You kind of went into your other book, which I wish I'd read that first. But where can people go to connect with you, to get more information, to find your books? Or I think you've got some assessments for people. Go ahead and verbally give that. We'll include it all in the notes. But go ahead and give that now. And then I've got one more question before we wrap up and finish up. Okay. Uh, it's pretty simple. Uh, people can find me at Bobby, B-O-B-B-Y, Albert, A-L-B-E-R-T dot com. That's, pretty, that's where they can find my website and there's all kinds of resources there now as far as uh 
I, I do have uh, a, what I call a cultural uh, assessment tool. Uh, there's 15 questions. It doesn't take, you know, it's just simple A and B type of selection. Uh, but the, the link to that culture assessment is bobbyalbert.com slash cultural, I'm sorry, culture checkup, bobbyalbert.com slash culture checkup. Yeah, and very good. Go so we'll, in, we'll include that in the notes because, and I was going to ask, and you can follow up here, is that a good place for people to start? It, it would it, by because they can learn a lot about the the workplace culture of their business and what they're employed. They, it, it's something that you want to start with yourself, then ask employees to take it and, and then see if, what the gaps are. Mm. Uh, because uh, if, if just one thing, uh, just uh, uh, because of our workplace culture, work is worship culture. When I sold a company, this will tell you kind of the proof in the pudding is if you came and walked around our place of business and talked to, you know, these 150 employees, you know what? You would find the employees would talk as though they own the company and not Bobby Albert. Mm. And you cannot buy that stuff. They came to work every day with enthusiasm, with excitement, with a passion. And you, you just can't buy that kind of stuff because we learn how to tap into the will of the people rather than destroying the will of the people. Hmm. Uh, the reason I like that is I've heard you say the word responsibility multiple times uh, related to our country, related to leadership. And what that's doing is it's pushing down that responsibility, freedom and responsibility down to the absolute lowest level instead of it stopping somewhere along the way. So that's excellent. Well, we're gonna include those resources down in the notes. And, and my guess is if someone wants to connect and do more with you and do some work with you, they can find you on the website and find out what type of people you work with because you do consulting and you work, you help people set all this up, correct? Yes, that's true. Okay, very good. All right, well, my final question, I gave you a little bit of prep for this. We are Seek, Go, Create. And uh, I'm hearing horns in the background here, so it's getting, it's getting good and loud here in the RV. But uh, we're Seek, go create bobby you can pick one of those not all three i'm going to make you pick one which word jumps out at you more than the other two right now i know it changes but right now and well, why uh you know i think the word go pops out to me because when jesus was about ready to ascend you know into heaven he said go and make disciples hmm. and to me he gave us our vision statement and uh, and so that's the reason why the word go uh, uh, means that much to me yeah I, I like that what I really love is talking to people that are great leaders with great great wisdom and how I get different answers from everyone and I appreciate because I'm sitting here at times during the interview guessing how they're going to respond and and I must admit I 
I, go, I could see you. I could see you going with go because I could tell you're a guy that gets things done, and and you're not going to sit around and wait. So, Bobby, I've so enjoyed this conversation. You and I need to connect again. I know and just kind of have a chat and and uh, enjoy each other's company because I know we would. I know that if you've listened in on this, you've enjoyed the conversation. I'm going to ask a big favor of you. And that is wherever you've listened to it, if it's on YouTube, if it's on socials, if it's on a podcast platform, right now while it's fresh in your mind, share it. Share it with someone else. Share it with someone that you know that needs to hear this message, either a leader or someone who's moving towards being a leader in any type role, because I believe the conversation applies to people that lead in church situations, the people that lead in business, people that lead in political environments. It all applies, so please share, share this message. Thank you for listening in. I appreciate Bobby sharing with us today. Until next time, new episodes every Monday. Until next time, continue being all that God created you to be. Oh,